today we're talking about the tech's role in RevOps. Technology and revenue operations. Yes, tech slash aren't they, aren't they synonyms? No. They're not. <laughs> um, so I want to talk about what came first, chicken or the egg. Uh, PLG or product-led growth or product-led marketing. We, you talk in your blog, which we'll link in the show notes, the simple system versus complex experience. Sisyphus. Sisyphus. Thank you. And then really some of the conversation pieces here, are like where to start, how to think. And I've got some real life examples of people asking us questions that we can dig into. And I'm sure you do too. So that's what we're hitting on today. So let's talk about PLGs first, because I know you love them. <laughs> you should probably tell everyone what PLG is, because I'm sure someone doesn't sure. know what it so is. So product-led growth, right? So there's these technology companies who define that they're making categories, or there's these companies that are defining a problem, and they're saying that we are the solution to this, this problem. Category creation and category bastardization <laughs> are like, that's not new to technology that year. They did it in beer years ago. It used to be beer. Then it was light beer. Yep. Then it was low carb beer and, and kind of the, all, all those various things. So that is, so you've got PLG, you've got FOMO, fear of missing out. You've got the, the David Copperfield effect. If we can create enough movement and illusion, we, we think something will happen. Sure. Uh, those, I think those all are conflating. So I'll let you yep. go wherever you want to go. So my big thing here is there's a conversation that I had with a prospect and they're talking about the fact that they have these 12 different apps that they could use to essentially, I'm putting words in their mouth right now, essentially do RevOps. And they needed all of these tools, even though that 70% of the tools had overlap. And like when I say tools, the feature sets, but because the one piece of that tool was the best in the market. But then on the flip side, they weren't thinking about the fact that they were essentially reading the product page. They brought up on the screen and shared the features that were available on that product when they weren't actually thinking about the people using it, the change management and the confusion. And then God forbid that we even try to integrate all these tools. So they're being sold was it the steak? They're being told that there's steak and that it's like going to be really good sizzle. And then I have a feeling that there's no steak behind a lot of it. And I, that's where I want to start this episode out with, because I think that tech is doing a really good job over promising right now. They are. They're exceptional at it. When we're looking at these, these products that are talking about solving, and we could go as heavy as like some companies that are saying that they're, they're a RevOps platform. But there's these things that, these feature sets that people push and in people are like, oh, I need that and that to right, right. run their business versus the need for it versus the, the need for the function that they're trying to accomplish rather than yeah. the actual tech. Yeah. You said something interesting, like in your characterization of there are these 12 apps that mm -hmm. we can do RevOps. With these 12 apps, we do RevOps which I like, I'm still trying to get my head around what that means. Yeah. How does that do RevOps? Cause, and that gets into the, I guess RevOps is becoming a category in the same way of, Hey, we're going to create this box and tell you that this fills it. So right off the bat, anybody who says they're, they're a RevOps platform, mm -hmm. I, I'm not going to say run. Cause that's unfair to say just, no, it's not platform has lost all its meaning. 
So yeah. like the problem is today, if you don't call what you're doing a platform, mm-hmm. it's like I used to be, I used to be in this CEO group and I love the group. I'm a group of entrepreneurs, forward thinkers, all really positive group of people. The thing that I noticed one time that was like every, like we got together once a quarter and every quarter, everyone had their best quarter ever. And I started to get cynical because I'm like, it's physically impossible for 50 people to have their best quarter ever, every quarter for, for a period of years. Sure. And so I had actually had a, not a horrible quarter, but definitely not a good quarter. And yeah. I decided, you know what? I'm just going to go there and be genuine. And people are like, hey, how are things done? I'm like, yeah, it was a little tough. Mm-hmm. I, I had people who called me up afterwards when we went back home and they're like, hey, Doug, man, is everything okay? Because like you were really, di-. and I'm like, no, everything's fine. What do you, I was just, I didn't have a great quarter. Just- and it was like, if you didn't say great, then that meant bad. So if you have an app today and you don't call it a platform, then, you know, if I had an app, I'd have to call it a platform. As a matter of fact, I have a client. We refer to their thing as a platform. And I, and it hurts me every time I write platform, hate the game, don't hate the player. You can't be a RevOps platform because a platform in its true sense is, it is the core operating system. Like the platform is before any feature. Like the greatest example to think of as a platform is think iOS, iPhone, think Android, that before you have the first application, gotcha. if you choose iPhone, it you've defined a set. You, you, you've marked, you've marked what your boundaries are. There's a philosophy to it. There's a point of view to it. And if you go Google, then it's a different thing. Mm-hmm. And when someone says RevOps platform, the thing that worries me about it is it's a statement really that says they don't really understand what revenue operations is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there is definitely a problem where people are beginning to view revenue operations as synonymous with technology operations. And I would say tech ops is important, mm-hmm. but is a, that is a subset of RevOps. It, it is not RevOps. Right. Because um, technology doesn't put a penny in your pocket. So it's, as a matter of fact, it takes it away. I was going to say, as a matter of fact, I can show you my income statement and, and I will show you the expense line called tech. And, and so unless you're making the tech, like sure. if you're the RevOps platform, mm-hmm. right, then yes, that is generating revenue for you. Sure. Maybe. But it's generating expense. It's generating revenue because that's well, what people it's are buying. Revenue. I'm be, I was being... I was being tongue in cheek. It's revenue for you, the seller, the the vendor, it's expense for, for, for everybody else. It really is. And if you go back to our first episode where we talked about and defined what is revenue operations, mm-hmm. um, it, it is, it, it, it's, it's all an example. Most people were pursuing the magic bullet. Mm-hmm. I always try to tell people I'm not anti-magic bullet. I promise you, if I can find it, I'll use it. I have no problem with it. And we've skipped a whole lot of steps. Mm-hmm. And so what, what a lot of tech vendors are doing is taking advantage of that, showing you their solution, which in most cases, if you manage their solution correctly, you can achieve the results that they're talking about, but they don't talk about that part of it. And yeah, and that's, so we're becoming a very much of a buyer beware environment and, and yeah, yeah. I think that, I think what's interesting based on what you just said is. I think the, everyone wants the magic bullet. Everyone wants the easy way, especially nowadays. They're like, oh, this is hard. Let me find a way to make it easy. And I think the other side is the, 
and it's interesting that, and I think that I attribute this to like the product led growth, product led marketing, like wave or waves that have come through. Like it's perpetual. It's bam, you're getting hit by it from multiple companies from multiple places with all these features and sets, these features that, um, and benefits that are going to solve all your world's problems. But I, th I think it's funny that we tend to find companies that try to, at first glance, fit into an app's process rather than fitting the app into their business and thinking about where the overlaps and how things are, where the continuity is. It's interesting because you could have a, you could have a several million dollar a year company that's doing business and then they get a new piece of technology and they try and fit that entire operation into a tool that in some cases they're paying, they're not paying anything for, right? So let's fit ourselves into this free CRM or let's fit ourselves into this $50 a month calendar tool. And they change all of their processes around it so that it works for the app, but not so it works for the customer or not so it actually works for helping the company. It's usually pain related, but I find that they try to fit themselves into these boxes that aren't realistic in the first place because they're yeah. either oversold or they're just hyper-focused on a problem, which down the road could create five more. One aspect is there's a significant misunderstanding between the word complex mm -hmm. and the word complicated. Yep. And we think of them as you know, synonymous. I, I don't know. I'm not, a, I didn't get a good enough grade in English to Scrabble. Um, get, get, <laughs> get the pre precise word for, but complex is interrelated and like the fundamental problem I think MarTech has amplified is this idea that we take individual components out of complex systems and, and think that we can control them. That, that's a really hard thing to get your head around. Yeah. Um, so, so I understand that. The, the other issue though is we, we, there's a lot more Advil sold than there are gym memberships used. If, if I did, if I had done more sit-ups when I was younger, I wouldn't even needed a gym membership and sure. I probably would need less Advil today. So we've always had this aspect of, of treating symptoms. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes is a Joe Lewis quote. He says, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. <laughs> and you've got this um, beautiful little drug over here called tech called app that says, yep. Oh, here we can treat your symptoms. And you, you, you treat symptom to symptom. The other thing that's happening too, and this is why every good sales organization should have a long-term manufacturing executive advising them. The manufacturing industry had this problem in the 1980s. Right now, the sales and marketing industry is obsessed with efficiency. Mm -hmm. They're obsessed with system utilization. Yep. And in the 1980s in manufacturing, they were obsessed with efficiency. And it was how, mon how many available hours could the machine run and how many hours was it running? And the more efficient that they got, the, the more money they lost. Here again, it's because they were managing complex systems, not complicated processes. Understanding that difference means it's about constraints and bottlenecks and really what you need to optimize for is throughput. Mm -hmm. and, and in manufacturing, what they came to understand was throughput was a unit of output sold, right? You're too young probably to remember this, but I, every week you would hear of a company that was writing down billions of dollars of inventory. Mm -hmm. Cisco would write down a billion dollars of product that was sitting in a warehouse because it had, 
it was no longer competitive in the market. It was worth significantly less obsolescence. That's the word I was looking for. It became obsolete. And why did they build up all this back end inventory? Because they were running their systems. And then when it was the understanding of managing throughput, mm. um, again, unit sold, that's what throughput is. If you think about revenue operations, what revenue operations is really all about is managing throughput for the sales and marketing side, which is again, managing what's the total key metric that gets sold. And to do that, you have to understand your constraints and bottlenecks and optimizing for the entire system right. is not the same thing as optimizing for each phase of the system. Yep. Sorry to, to rattle on, but more leads does not mean more revenue. It doesn't even mean more meetings. It actually can mean fewer meetings because your systems get bogged down, et cetera. And those are very, those are weighty thoughts that, that require you to do the work before you think about the tech. But the, but the so tech what you're marketers. Talking about, yeah. So what you're talking about is perspective. And I think the, the perspective, so I see it as a danger all the time. People pay attention to one metric without the perspective of how it affects other metrics. So it, some teams go very much focused on one area, but that if they don't have from a rev ops point of view or from a, just an operational point of view, if they don't have the perspective of how the cause and effect of that, then it can cause some cause more complicated issues. I'm seeing a lot of individuals in our sphere. I say in our sphere, just like other agencies, other individuals on social media or in real life, having conversations about the tech that you need in your business. If you think about RevOps or you care about RevOps, I think it's dangerous. Now you could mm -hmm. say this is like you, you put out a post about this is the tech that we like in our stack, which I think is a completely different statement, but there's, this is what your tech should be. Actually, no. So, so I, I think that's on the same point because that post was not, that was not our tech stack. Our, our okay. tech stack is actually more complicated than that. Okay. That was the ideal tech stack for a company that's serious about growth, which kind of gets Fair. to the point, which gets to the point about platform. And then the first wave above platform is what's the core part of your tech stack, Sure. which is your CRM, yep. your marketing automation, and your CMS. Sure. What, and I think this gets to your point. <clears throat> Give me those three things. 80% of the throughput, 80% of the result, 80% of the game is there. So you tell me about this awesome, sweet, whatever AdWords optimizer. That's awesome. Sure. It might be a killer app, but it's a good to great app. It's not a, shitty to good or shitty to not, great at. Not a magic and, and, and what's happening is that we're not managing our CRM or we're not taking advantage of our CRM or CR, CMS, our marketing automation probably. We haven't built the core. And now we're expecting these satellite apps to, to work magic. And the reality is that's not going to happen. And then to get to one of the things you talked about before is it, it's the misunderstanding of price and cost. Right. right. That free calendar has no price, but nothing That's is fun. free. And, and I'm not saying that it's the wrong choice. Right. right. I'm not saying, hey, if it's free, it's too good to be true. Right. I am saying if it's free, remember, you're the product. <laughs> uh, I see so many companies so obsessed with things that 
artificial email response technology. Dude, your emails suck. <laughs> so what's artificial? Are you getting responses? <laughs> you know, and I'm like, seriously, you can't, like there's that tech out now that, and it's actually become pretty standard that you get the auto replies and, and it'll update data and it'll add, like that's useful. I, I, you know that, but you're telling me that you're working this market and you are so busy. Right. You are so at optimum that you can't manage the response. And further, that so much about how to read the email. Like I, I get these auto, I get these AI response. I know a Conversica email <laughs> by, by yeah. the second line. Like when I first saw them, I it was like, I didn't know. And it was like, cool. Because, oh, this makes sense. And so you got the 14th one. Although it was always, but like, it was always a little bit off. Yeah. And, and here again, I, I, my word of the month is auto tune. Yeah. You know, we're, we, we're, we're, we want the customer to value us. We want the customer to view our distinction, but increasingly we're not willing to view their distinction. Now, you know what, if you're selling some high volume, low price product, okay, maybe that's what you have to do because you're, because it is totally standard. Yeah. But I'm seeing this with people that are, we're talking about solid six figure average sale value. And, and I'm like, really? Right. How about we get smart? How about we get smart with what and how your salespeople are doing what they're doing? Right. Before we try to. Build an app for oh, that. something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and that's my thing. So some of these posts that I see, articles that I share, like your post was about like a tech stack for companies that want to grow. And, and what it really was, I hope was just for people listening, because yeah. is, is, so what we talked about was a core sat, you know, core, core a primary, post. a secondary and a complementary. And yep. we're actually working on the follow-up post, which has beyond that specialized apps. And yeah. that's where the, that's where the tech stack gets crazy. Right. specialized. But if you, again, it's the point of the so, role of your tech. Yeah. And I'm not beefing on yours at all. because no, no. Yours actually was very well put together, but the other ones are, this is the tech stack that companies need to have, which is bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, um, like how can you give a recommendation without asking what they care about? Or if they didn't want to grow, your tech stack wouldn't fit. And in our article, yep. we talk about this is the tech that you need. And I'll stand by that. I'll stand by If you're a mid-market sure. company, serious yeah. about growth, I think the model works. You gave constraints. Uh, we, now for video, uh-huh. we say video. Sure. If I worked at Impulse, I could have written the exact same post and, and it would say Wistia. 100%. My point being that what we're, like we say HubSpot is our core, but that doesn't mean that Salesforce is wrong. Now, we do point out that one of the reasons that we choose HubSpot is because, again, it goes back to that platform decision before you get to the first. So, so one of our principles of managing tech is the simpler, the better, which yes. also means the fewer, the better. And so with HubSpot in our core, if we were to replicate what we're able to do with HubSpot, we would probably have to have 12 different applications in that stack. So I think our, so our core primary, secondary, and complementary, I think we had five in complementary one in secondary, two, I think we had nine total apps. And I'll tell you what, I give me those nine applications mm-hmm. and, and I will beat 
I, I will generate more throughput than 99% of tech stacks that are out there. Yeah. Well, and, 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 see, and I'll cut, and I'll cut your tech budget as well. Yeah. And that, so that's the kicker, right? So I, I calculated just because I'm a data guy. I, I looked at all of the, we'll call it MRR, the, manage, the monthly recurring revenue that those, or the costs, monthly recurring costs that would be associated with those apps. And for the companies that were being recommended or in the space that were part of those social posts, we're talking like $150,000, $200,000 a year in software costs for a company doing a million dollars. Like it doesn't make any sense. And so they're not thinking about the big picture. The last piece here, before we jump over to the chicken or the egg, because we're beating this to death, is that the effort, right? So you were talking about like the simplicity of HubSpot and, and the same reason that we're in the base here. We had a client that reached out and said, hey, here's our, here's the flow and here's the thing that we're trying to accomplish. And we built out a system. The system only works if people use the system for one. But if they're currently using a system, you have to think about the change management and those trade-offs of like, how do we get them from point A to point B in regards to being more optimized? And that's a big part of the equation I think people really forget. So it's gotta be that internal smoothness on actually making shifts, but also the complexity of all these different tools and different places people have to go to do things. And so in the example, like you, you talked about the simplicity of having one tool that does multiple things, I think is really powerful because if we're, if you come in with recommendations about these 14 tech tools and you can't get people to log into one, you've got another problem that you have to address before you can really get any kind of output or throughput as you have. That's a cultural thing. So it's, I think it's super dangerous to lead with tech. Yeah. It's not just super dangerous. It's one of the dumbest things you can do. To hit on, on just a, a little bit of, of, of a nuanced point, the HubSpot choice that we made, and mm-hmm. I don't want to, like the purpose of this is not to be a HubSpot fanboy, because sure. I could tell you a hundred things that, that they need to do that uh, where they're killing me. But it, it's not that HubSpot has a lot of features, so they're simpler and better. Because right. that's where they were probably two or three years ago. There's right. a whole lot of features, but it wasn't necessarily simpler. The reason is it's a single database, which is huge because if I were to replicate the capability, just about you know, 70% of, those, of the applications that I would need to add would come with a corresponding database. They would have to be managed and mitigated. Right. And so you'd have a Frankenstein database. And then the second component is that there's the adoption half-life. And... Every interface you ask somebody to use reduces the adoption by half, every additional interface. Agreed. And, and so because of those things, and that, that's why when, actually I was talking with, with, with someone from HubSpot as they're working on their, on their Slack link, on their Slack integration, and they were talking about making it easier to work from Slack to get the data, to get access data from, from HubSpot. And I said, wait, hold on a second. If I'm in Slack, then I want to be able to get everything in Slack. But what they were talking about doing was in essence that chat that was going to take place would take somebody who was in Obspot and move them to Slack. And I'm like, no, wait a second. And that, that aspect of how you, it sounds really small, but it's a huge issue. And so that's what makes it simpler. It's not just features. Yeah. 
And a real life example we have today is we built out this registration path for it's the customer experience for a client and in COVID world that we're in right now, everything went virtual. So instead of it being in-house like events that they were dealing with, suddenly now they had to ask for a calendar invite to drive people in. So they bought Calendly 12 bucks a month, except now they got everyone dropping the data into Calendly. And so now the data is not in the form and they stopped sending the form because they are asking a couple questions right. only. And now we have this, now we have this disparity of information, which can have a domino effect on the rest of the features, the rest of the features that are used in the tool. And so yep. what we've done is you've already deployed Calendly, your entire team's leveraging it. These features could be in HubSpot, right? The HubSpot's meetings tool. In fact, you're paying for HubSpot already for those features. So rather than change, we can change everyone, option one. We can let everyone use Calendly, option two. We have to integrate it. And option three is we can make it so that the flow is smoother and includes calendar submission. And then it's just one link. You don't have to send three in an email. And the clients, those are all really great options. I'm not sure which is the best right now. And we went with what pains us the most is the, the way that the that people are currently using the tools. It's trying to get the information in. Yep. And we can fix behavior later, but let's get the right data now. And I think that's a huge piece that if there's consultants out there that are doing RevOps and that kind of thing, I get really sour about that quick, if you can't tell already, that they're not asking those questions to try and really think about the change management of it all. So what came first, the chicken or the egg? I thought that this could be really fun. I have a feeling that I know what both of us are going to be saying here, but there's a lot of thing that tech has enabled RevOps. I was reading and RevOps, RevOps exists because of tech. We'll just call it ops because it wasn't, the articles weren't directly related to RevOps per se. And I had another conversation with RevOps didn't exist up until a couple months or a couple years ago. When I clarified, it was not so much RevOps, the name is RevOps, the thing. And so I thought it would be a really fun little follow-up from last episode where we define here is tech specifically something that has created RevOps or the thought process around RevOps or is, is RevOps something that has created space for this tech or the thought, so, I should say. So here's the first thing that I'm going to say. I, I used to get really upset. I still do. But I used to get really upset because the term marketing is misused all the time. We say marketing when we, when we mean marketing communications. Sure. Um, marketing is people, product, place, promotion. Yep. And it's become to mean promotion. Okay, technology. We have, short, we have shortened the term technology in, in terms of the industry. The industry is technically the high technology industry. Right. Because what we have to understand is the pencil is technology. <laughs> Drawing something on a piece of paper is technology. Technology right. is a new way. So the decision, so, so technology has existed for as long as humans have created a new way of doing things. That is technology brings change. So technology has nothing to do with bits and bytes. So if we say what came first, I would say clearly technology came first because there was nothing to operate until humans did something and doing something is utilizing technology. And I, and I know that sounds some, <laughs> I actually you know, love this. 
but, I love, but it's, I love it's, this because when I said, Doug, introduce yourself, you're like, well, it was once on a, I don't know whether it was a, a, a beautiful night or a dark and stormy night. But oh, like started a dark like, and rainy <laughs> night in 1967. <laughs> so I think that's interesting. So let's think about it from an app's point of view, like software. Yeah, but all software is, here's what software is. Software yep. is an algorithm that accelerates repetitive activities. Okay. So it, it's, it's knowledge funnel, it's mysteries to heuristics to algorithms. Okay. And, and so what tech, not what high tech, what software does is it speeds things up. Sure. Here again. So like I, I said that RevOps, I'm apparently I've upset a couple of people because I talked about the fact that there was some like the state of RevOps and there were like 2000 people that responded to it. And I'm like, wow, this was a term that didn't even exist 18 months ago. We already have a state of report about it. And my point was that, that the term revenue operations became, like I was trying, we have a post on what is revenue operations. We actually get into it. All it is, we're taking terminology of what used to be sales operations and now we're calling it revenue operations. Okay, that's fine. But, right. but the underlying idea of like sales operations is not new. Sure. So sales operations existed in in the land of Don Draper, there were still operations and sales operations. I, I think what changed, and I do think, I think technology enabled the change and more around data and the ability to collect was, but the change was more of a mindset change to begin to view through the lens of revenue, which, which I'll add, were the terminology is ahead of the of the discipline, because mm -hmm. the, the idea of we're solving for revenue is this idea of throughput. We're actually doing a webinar tomorrow, not tomorrow when this gets published, tomorrow when, from, when this is recorded. And one of the things that I talk about is where's the revenue? Sure. But again, that's not new because I go back 25 years ago and we said the first place to focus your sales effort should be your customer base. Yeah. There's more, you can capture more revenue in your customer base over the next 12 to 18 months. Uh, and a new revenue than you probably can in from new customers. So I, I think that's like, I mean, to some degree, the, it was the mindset towards solving for revenue, the, the mindset towards creating a unified journey, which I think exists far more in B2C places, but a, a lot because the, the journey is a lot simpler. The, the underlying system is nowhere near as complex. But I think revenue operations is about the, the realization you used to, it's, it, 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 it's the realization that the skill set we, we, when you and I became HubSpot partners, they said, if you're going to be a marketer today, you have to master data. Yes. But that was a BS thing to say. You have to understand data. You have to understand data. But I'm telling you the Venn diagram between the skills of a great marketer and, and, and the skills of a great data person, there's not a lot of overlap. And so if we're gonna only search for a great marketer can only be, and, and oh, by the way, the data mindset and the marketer mindset, they're not the same mindset. So even when you meet, right. even when you combine the ability, building that in one place, it's not necessarily good. The creative constraint against the data actually is what creates the pressure, the constructive conflict that identifies third alternatives.
Sure. And so I think the realization of that underlying discipline of, of what's needed is what actually opened the space. And I think that the, the data that came from and was enabled by high technology is responsible for, is responsible for the real need. Mm -hmm. I think you've got a lot of applications that are now trying to, that, that are now trying to, there's an application, and I don't want to say who they are, because candidly, I can't tell you if they're the real deal or not yet. I haven't had enough time to look at them. Sure. But I do know that most of them, most people that use them, basically they use them like it's a beautiful Excel spreadsheet chart. Someone so, once said that a report or a visualization is not an insight, but my client doesn't know the difference. Ugh. So that's what I got to give them. Yeah. So when I think about it, I think that, so going along the technology thing and like any type of innovation, really, people are, there's data that we're collecting inherently or literally. Like the old school door-to-door -door salespeople had Rolodexes or address books and they had a target of how many meetings they had to do. Like, I think the operation, the operational element and the mindset around, like I have to go out and hit this many numbers in order to close deals, in order to make revenue. I think that's existed since business started. I think it's gotten more intentional to your point when now the data is more accessible. Yeah, I'm not sure that's a good thing though. I don't know that it is either. But the data that, so my premise, the data that we don't act on is really just noise. And so you could have things that kind of tie in. But when I think about the chicken or the egg point of this is, I think technology has enabled certain functions, which has created additional problems, which then more technology has been added to solve a problem, which then has created these gaps of data. And now we have these processes that are extremely complex to a user and to the customer in, in a lot of cases. And then now we're, now I think we're trying to, and I, I believe that in a lot of cases, you would actually remove apps or software from a company's revenue operations system because there's just so much bloat. And I, so I think that, I think that the process has always been there, but I think visibility into the process has created these opportunities for these apps to get injected into said process which can perpetually start to degrade the operating system. So you said remove technology from the revenue operations system. Is, is a marketing automation product, is that a revenue operations tech? No, so I said from, not the revenue operations system, from the operating system. Okay. So your whole business is operating system, the mindset of it being in RevOps. Yeah, marketing automation would be a part of that system. But well, it's so, not... so I think RevOps has a responsibility for, for, for managing the marketing automation platform, but the marketing automation platform is a marketing system. I would 100%. not call it a RevOps system. And I, think that, and I think to some degree that's some of where, I think like blissfully, if uh -huh. I remember correctly, blissfully is a RevOps system because the purpose of blissfully is to be able to track your technology, right? It, it is a sure. accelerator for, but I'll tell you what, until on, it's like lead score, right? Someone said to me when I first, will, will you help us do lead score? I said, oh, you're getting too many leads. I said, no, we don't have anywhere near enough leads. I'm like, what are you scoring for? <laughs> well, we need to know who the, we need to know which the best ones are. I'm like, why does it matter? Why don't you just, so like well, until you can't do it on a spreadsheet, 
going out and getting and and, it, and by the way, it's a great product. It is a great product. But sure. but but if you want to actually unlock its value, do it on a spreadsheet first. Yeah. Because you'll actually understand. Yeah. Right. By the way, the, the single greatest RevOps technology in it actually it is the the greatest invention in humankind is the spreadsheet. I agree. And the biggest danger in a company is multiple spreadsheets. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. So let's talk about this. We got a couple minutes left up here. So let's talk about this concept. You had your blog post, which is titled. Sisyphus versus the flywheel. Yes. Five tips to eliminate friction. One of the big things in there that I love, and I honestly, I've stole the, the statement is my premise is and how I talk about it with clients is like creating an effortless experience for your customers and also for your team, right? So it's a lot of the same, it goes in the same direction, but you explain the difference between the two really well. And so you talk about the simple system equals a complex, complex experience and a complex system that's well-designed equals an easy experience. This is the inverse friction principle. Yes. I love that you have names for everything. It's fantastic. So when we, look at the, when we look at those two things, those are levers that I think are really easy for people to imagine because they're like, oh, simple system. And you could throw any system out there. And I think what's interesting is a simple system individually, but then multiple simple systems connect, create a very complex experience. The multiple logins you talked about, the different UIs that you have to log into, the different areas that data can get tripped up. And then you have this well-designed system that creates an easier, effortless experience. Talk that through because I love the way you separate this and we'll have a link in the show notes, but I really think that's an important thing for people to understand if they're thinking about navigating RevOps. So, so, so real quickly, what the inverse friction principle says is the, the ease or effortlessness of an experience has an inverse relationship to the complexity of the design and the work that went into whatever right. created the experience. Amazon has Amazon Uber, an extraordinarily effortless, easy, intuitive experience. It's yeah. so easy. Why isn't everyone doing it? The, the complexity that's involved there. The antithesis of that is someone starts a company. They got one person. Guess what? That's your system. It's a really simple system. One person does everything. It, it can't scale. It creates lots of, of conflict over time. Mm-hmm. This kind of gets back a little bit to, what, to one of our disagreements in, in, in the first episode which is when you have three people, the fact that your sales process doesn't scale, who cares? Un, 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 until, that, until the momentum gets to a certain point, like until you have something to optimize, why are you worrying about optimizing? Sure. And, and yeah, that, it, it comes down to, you're gonna pay the tax. It, it's the Fram oil filter guy. You can pay me now, or you can pay me later. And, and what's happening is, and, and by the way, the faster you go, the, the greater the competitiveness, the, the more complex the environment, the bigger the cost of dealing with things downstream are. So, so it, it really comes down to like, the design is upstream, the day-to-day is downstream. And so being able to identifying what are the issues that you're, gonna, that you're gonna solve upstream versus what are you gonna solve downstream? And that kind of, again, that gets to the, the cost of what, whatever it is that you're doing. And very often, what we end up doing is, as a matter of fact, we got a great term for it. It's called tech debt. And tech debt is, is one, one form of tech debt is the idea of I'm going to choose not to think about the implications today and pay for them tomorrow. The now, when you first start paying for them, they're really small payments. 
But it's, I had a company that, that was relatively young. They probably doing $300,000. They wanted to get to 5 million. They wanted to do it in two years. We, I gave them a basic idea of what the range was like, oh, you can't. Um, $150,000, it was somewhere around that, you know. $150,000, you were only, that's 50% of our revenue. I'm like, yeah, but 5 million is, is like that. Like you huh. can't expect, there's a little bit of a, okay, fine. Then don't tell me you want to be 5 million. Like why do companies go out and raise money? Because the world doesn't care what your, what your model is. The world cares, like think things have to be done. And that, that's an example of it. it. It's that whole question. And humans, we're, we're really bad um, at delayed gratification. Let's yeah, skip yeah. all this stuff. And, that's where, and then that's where, and that's where tech comes in and says, oh, you're having this problem here. Use this. That takes care of it. And because of the attention you pay to it, you get a, you get a bump of progress. And then you get a bump it, of progress because it's, it's a new metric in a lot right. of cases. And, and, like and focus yeah. on a certain area. So yeah. suddenly now everything's amazing, except we're forgetting the perspective of the other data yeah. points. Cool. This one was fun. I think we, we did better with a little bit more structure today. So Doug, thanks for, thanks for being a part of this, man. This is always fun. We get to just My publicize pleasure. our riffs now. <laughs> there you go. That's so, what, isn't that what a podcast is? Yeah, I guess so. So everyone, everyone listening, go ahead and uh, subscribe, do your thing. If you have questions, agree, disagree, hit us up. Doug is on Twitter and so am I, and you can find us. Yeah, it's RevOps. I think it's actually, yeah. It's hashtag RevOps show. So thanks everybody for listening and some new topics coming up. We got who owns RevOps, the role of sales compensation. If a RevOps platform existed, what would it look like? I think that could be fun. So if you're interested in that kind of stuff, hit us up. We if, love ideas. If RevOps was in a forest and no one was there to see it, <laughs> did you really have RevOps function? <laughs> Thank you. All right, Ram, take care.